welcome to another episode of Grant Slant's Raiders Report. Today is February 8th. We just saw the Super Bowl last night, and so we are now officially in the offseason. There is no more football for quite some time unless you count the FCS and college, who I believe kicks off in the near future. With that being said, we can kind of start quickly taking away from the Super Bowl, kind of following up on some quarterback news from the Raiders, which everyone I'm sure is so thrilled to be hearing new things that don't really mean anything in the long term, and then we can talk about some defensive free agents. But that being said, the Super Bowl was yesterday, so I just wanted to dive into that first. I mean, as a Raiders fan, obviously, this was incredible watching the Chiefs kind of get pantsed on national television on the biggest stage in football and not even score a touchdown. They flew out to Tampa for nine points, three field goals. That's it. Patrick Mahomes was not Patrick Mahomes. I mean, he was making crazy throws. His receivers weren't making those catches that make the plays great, but he was doing his best with what he could. And we'll get into this in a little bit when we start leaning more towards the next topic, but Patrick Holmes never had time. He never really had time to set in the pocket. It was either he was either forced out or sacked almost immediately. And while the Chiefs were missing their starting left tackle, which is obviously a really important position in football, it's the blindside protector, whatever you want to call it. It's the main like he's kind of the spearhead of your line. Everyone thinks it's the center, but the left tackle is typically more depended on to protect the quarterback, and the Chiefs didn't have theirs. That being said, I think if the Chiefs have theirs, I think he maybe get. I think the Chiefs score a touchdown, maybe two. I don't think they win their game. I don't think they win that game last night just because of a missing left tackle. And whatever. On the other end of the ball, the Buccaneers still def- like talking about defense right now unbelievable what having a good front seven can do and that's really watching that last night really spurred on what my topic was going to be today and like I said we'll get into that we're just covering the Super Bowl right now but that Tampa Bay front seven their defensive front seven their four down linemen three linebackers were unstoppable almost shut down Kelsey I mean basically shut down Kelsey considering what he's been doing all season and didn't really allow anything in the run didn't let anything didn't let anything get going in the run game just really stifled anything that Kansas City Chiefs were trying to do and that is the inspiration for me to again move on to the Raiders but that was so crazy to see in this offensive dominated league with one of the most offensively dominating teams the NFL has ever seen, scoring nine points all off field goals. I mean, shout out Todd Bowles, shout out Devin White, shout out JPP. Um, I'm sure there's a bunch I'm missing because they're all dogs on that team. But, I mean, that kind of really spelled the entire story for the Super Bowl. Yeah, the Patriots put up 30-plus points, but... You could kind of tell going into halftime, there's normally that energy where, oh, the Chiefs are down two scores. And we saw it all last year. They were down 20-plus points in a few of their playoff games. 
And they came back every single time and just rallied, rallied, rallied. The Chiefs had zero answer. And there was no weather excuse. Everyone tested negative for COVID, even after that um, barbershop scare with the Chiefs, which, by the way, I it seems weird to all be going to the same guy cutting hair, but hey, whatever. It worked because they were all COVID negative. So, But just no excuse for coming out so flat. And seeing that kind of showed you that you can have a great quarterback and still not get the job done. Um, other notes from the Super Bowl, Brady to Gronk is still absolutely unreal. Unreal. Like, they're both long past, especially, I mean, they're Tom Brady's 43, Gronk's up there. But, I mean, for a tight end as big as Gronk and aggressive and just physical, when he retired, that was kind of a feeling that he's probably done. There was no expectation for me for him to come back and for him to come back and I mean, join up, call it a super team if you want. I mean, this was a super team. You have Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, <laughs> Antonio Brown, Rob Gronkowski, Leonard Fournette, Tom Brady, all on offense and a sustainable offensive line. Okay, that's a super offense. And obviously, we already talked about the Tampa Bay front seven. That's a super team on defense. The Buccaneers were <laughs> the worst super team to ever win it all. If that makes sense. I mean, really not an outstanding record. I mean, when Tom Brady, Gronk, when Tom Brady and Gronk and Leonard Fournette all went to the Bucks in the offseason, it was kind of the expectation of, yeah, they might lose two games and obviously kind of snuck into the playoffs um, behind the Saints and as a wild card team and won the Super Bowl. So um, I think that kind of puts to bed any debate that Patrick Mahomes' legacy will surpass Tom Brady's. As, I mean, Mahomes needed this for two for Brady to have six. So Mahomes is chasing four, which in his young career is really not that difficult. But now he is chasing six. Plus this head-to-head matchup where Tom Brady bested him. So he probably now has to get about eight. I mean, like you can't, you're not, if you match Brady, it comes back to the head-to-head. And obviously Tom Brady very clearly won that won that head-to-head matchup so i not only is tom brady the best at his job that there ever's been um if you listen to another podcast i'm on trash talk with tony nebrowski there were it was pretty contentious about the goat conversation with tom brady and i mean to get into it a little bit there's some concerns that you can't call him a goat if he looks so weird running like a very normal thing that any athlete has to do he just he doesn't look fast he isn't fast he's 43 so it's kind of hard to say like he's the greatest athlete of all time but like he's the best at his job of all time in any sport and I mean again that odds just went up of um that quote or stat that it's more likely for Tom Brady to make the Super Bowl than Steph Curry to hit an in-game three. And that right there is, I mean, that should tell you everything. Steph Curry's probably the greatest shooter of our generation right now. And Tom Brady gets the Super Bowl more than Steph Curry hits threes. So whatever, I mean, debate a trash can if you want. Tom Brady's the greatest to ever do it. I mean, he's the greatest to ever do it. I think you can say that because he's the most successful. 
and that's all I have on that. That being said, let's dial it back a little bit to the Raiders a little bit more, and we can kind of talk about the Raiders to notification-worthy events that happened with their quarterbacks this week. First, to start off the week, the Raiders re-signed Nathan Peterman to a one-year deal, which, you know what, I don't really hate it. I mean, he doesn't see the field. He has not played a meaningful minute in a Raiders uniform. Um, so, sure, if it feels like he's John Gruden's little special project, and that's fine. Because, like I said, he doesn't play much. And, look, if Gruden's working with him and he's actually becoming better, it'll be interesting to actually see it develop. But based on how he hasn't really done anything, they signed him to a one-year deal, I don't really know what that entails or why we're still holding on to this guy. And obviously, sure, he had one, one bad game. Just like Jordan Spieth at the Masters, he had that one bad hole, but everyone remembers him as an absolute basket case. Back to football, though. Look, I don't hate Nathan Peterman. Obviously, you throw three, five picks in the first half of your first game, and that's going to set a bad taste in anybody's mouth. But obviously, John Gruden spends a lot of time watching quarterback film and probably knows more than we do. So if he's still hanging on to Peterman, I'm not entirely against it because again it's not like he just signed him to be our starter he signed him for a year that being said the second topic of news actually came today february 8th on Derek carr has been taken off the market and not in the way some people hope he was removed from the raiders trade block if you will the raiders have just come out to say he will not be moved this season which led me down two trains of thought a the Raiders probably aren't getting Watson and the other train of thought was obviously incredibly hopeful where they were just saying hey stop calling we're shipping him to Houston in the near future so stop calling about him we don't want to hear about it anymore obviously that second one probably isn't happening because you have to create that at least facade of interest from other teams you still want people calling about Derek Carr to make the Texans sweat a little bit but so it looks like Derek Carr will be our quarterback in the 2021 season so and I mean I can tell there's a lot of people out there sitting back saying okay pack it up this is another eight and eight maybe nine and seven season um Derek Carr can't get it done whatever 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 and I'm not here to debate that we've seen what he can do I just wish that we give him a chance on defense. No, and I don't mean him playing linebacker or something like that, because, I mean, the man doesn't love contact, so that would make things very difficult to play for the Raiders' defense. But just stockpile a little bit. Like, help him out. Help him help you. Obviously, that's a pretty common phrase, but it's true. Help Derek Carr on defense so we don't have to get 30 points. I've said this a million times. The Raiders, with a defense, could win games scoring 24 points. Win at le- win a decent amount of games scoring 24. But they've had to score 30, and that's just not, just not where we want to 
be right now. It's obviously, it's tough. <laughs> it's very tough. And for some reason, it works in the first half, doesn't work in the second half. But I just think that if this is our guy, if this is what the Raiders are going with, we might as well invest in it. You don't buy a Corvette and not buy insurance. You got to get something on the other side of that. And you can bolster the offense all you want. Again, we've kind of seen what we've seen, and we can take with that what we know, that Derek Carr's a good quarterback. Statistically, top 12 in the league. So top third of starters, which not obviously two-thirds of the NFL cannot say. But again, it's not the offense. We have the talent. There's skill there. But again, our two leading receivers, it's like two leading receivers, um, Darren Waller, Nelson Aguilar, and then this major drop-off behind Hunter, Hunter Renfro. Like, Ruggs could, should be that guy, and if the Raiders can get that three-headed monster, which everyone kind of thought they would, right off the rip with Ruggs coming out of college... It would have been significantly different last year, in my opinion. I just think they need to... The Raiders obviously need to customize or work with their offense and make it less kind of bipartisan, if you will. It's wide receiver tight end when it comes to passing. If you can get that third wide receiver or third receiver, third pass catcher established, like the Vikings have Justin Jefferson, Adam Thielen, and... Dalvin Cook, obviously incredible pass catcher. He's usually streaming up the boards and uh, running back receiving yards. And so they have their three. Like, the Raiders don't have that pat, that elusive pass catching back. Jalen Richard is slowly slipping down the depth chart, which I thought he had a pretty promising career as a number two back here. But Devontae Booker has not shown us an increased amount of promise that would give really anybody that level of hope of, oh, hey, maybe he can catch, catch passes too. Jacobs has time and time again proven himself as a power back that prefers not to catch the ball. So it comes down to who probably should be a no-brainer offensive target on the Raiders, Henry Ruggs. Raiders got to get more involved, got to get three-dimensional here. And by three-dimensional, I just mean two wide receivers and a tight end um, or three wide receivers. But obviously with Darren Waller, you're not really going to run a ton of three-receiver three dominant sets. So, I mean, you just – the Raiders just have to get more unique. And I don't know if that's on Carr's side or if it's on Gruden's side. It never felt like it was on Gruden's side at the beginning, if that makes sense. It always felt like maybe Derek Carr would – have a not trick play but unique play called and might just find a check down target i haven't seen many reports or noticed many reports of gruden spider 2i banana um that's more of a fan favorite though anyway but it's just it's hard to tell right now you don't know that it's car just kind of saying i don't want to sit in the pocket for four seconds which in his case is understandable. I don't like it because there are quarterbacks out there that will stand in the pocket forever. I mean, Big Ben, for one of them, Tom Brady will most likely either sack himself or stand in the quarterback stand in the pocket till he can complete a pass. But I man, to be a fly on the wall 
in or to be a fly in Gruden's head I don't know like to be inside Gruden's head be inside Carr's head and just kind of see what's going on there because I mean you saw teams last night I mean you saw the Bucks last night score touchdowns from the red zone wasn't that difficult it truly did not look difficult and you know who they did it with their big name probably first or second priority tight end in Rob Gronkowski scored two touchdowns last night so it's still possible to score touchdowns from the red zone to a tight end in this league and it doesn't have to be a screen pass to Witten or Foster Moreau this year look I'd prefer it to go to Moreau obviously Witten retired but I would prefer a screen pass to go to Waller or Moreau than Witten like the entire combination of the Raiders red zone play calling decision making is so so ass backwards it doesn't make sense like normally you can see oh this coach is trying to outthink he's working too hard you saw that you see that tons of times you saw it at times with um i can reference this because i live in near detroit you saw it with matt patricia at times he would run the expected unexpected weird i'm the smartest man in the room plays and that's what that Witten screen feels like. I have flashbacks of it every time I do this podcast because it's such like a defining moment where the Raiders have young, fast, and very like high-level talent on their team, at least on offense. So to go to a relic of a tight end when you have a rookie who is almost uncatchable out of a slant or a deep ball which the slants help in the red zone. You have Darren Waller, who is a matchup nightmare. You, I mean, unless you have another Darren Waller, he's going to have the advantage in coverage. And even then, I think Darren Waller on offense is probably more well-versed than Darren Waller on defense. So there's really not anyone that can fully guard Darren Waller. And yet, Jason Witten gets the ball not even in the end zone. I would rather Derek Carr have two more picks trying to throw it into the end zone on third down or even on fourth down. But we don't even get there. We kick field goals. And as you saw last night, you can have a super-powered offense, but if you can't get in the end zone, you won't win. It's cool that the Chiefs can run up the score and Terry Kill can score 200 yards or record 200 yards in a quarter, but that's not consistent. The consistent is typically the level of play all of these guys bring and when the play calling doesn't match the level of play you end up with frustration and in that frustration you find out maybe we or maybe our coaches don't know what we're doing and that's how it felt coming into it and that's what you feel with a young new coach not a guy who's been around the league for 20 plus years who has coached two different teams who won a Super Bowl, who built the Raiders back to the old, old days, the John Madden days. Like, that's where the Raiders were at the beginning of this decade. And, I mean, obviously that's where I started. That's where I came into the Raiders and started really liking them because they played ferociously, they played well, they were very good. And, obviously, since then, it's kind of been a little bit of a catfish situation where... I feel like I've been lied to with the team I swore my allegiance to. But that's neither here nor there. But I just don't... There's a disconnect with Gruden. And there's... 
if you are even running Jason Witten on a red zone screen, on a red zone out, not in the end zone, on a red zone in, not in the end zone, it's a coaching problem. I can full well tell you that right now, that, I mean, Jason Witten is not ever the guy you want. Like, I, I don't know if we just overlooked that or we just kind of let everything else frustrate us more, but... Jason Witten was a, I don't want to say contributing, but he was a relevant piece in the Raiders offense this year. In the year 2020, Jason Witten, who retired, I remember we all thought, I remember hounding that signing for as a veteran mentorship for Darren Waller, because Darren Waller is obviously a wide receiver with a tight end build, playing tight end. So he probably has a few things to kind of fix up. But I don't think playing Jason Witten and giving Jason Witten potential Darren Waller targets is teaching anyone anything except teaching the fans that John Gruden might not be the guy. We all want to come after Carr, and a lot more of this feels like coaching. Six and three teams with a good coach don't fall to 8-8. Eight eight. Two years in a row. Two years in a row. Remember? Remember? Remember the hope? Remember the hope when we uh, beat the Bears last year, beat the Colts? Oh my goodness, man. It's, I mean, <sighs> remember those excitements? And then just nothing. Absolutely nothing. I don't know the thought process, but it feels wrong. It feels like something disconnects after week 9 or 10 or game 9 or 10 and I don't know if it's fatigue or I don't know if week 10 means something to Gruden where he just gets really mad at everybody and they all kind of fall apart I just man I I don't get it I I just don't I went from saying give Gruden maybe another year let's see if we collapse a third time to I don't really need Gruden to take the field for the Raiders next year. He's had two years of almost mirror image seasons. And this is the exact time of fool me once, shame on you. Like, you tricked me, whatever. Fool me twice, shame on me for believing it. And we're at fool me twice. You don't need a fool me thrice to tell you that you might be getting fleeced right now. And... It's getting to the point where I feel a little fleeced. And I don't know what that has to do with really everyone. Like, Raider Nation has entered a whole new level of toxicity amongst ourselves. And I don't know if that's just frustration with someone we thought we could trust in Gruden or what. But that's... Cut that out. The moment you start getting toxic towards someone based on anything like even a take you're showing that you let this affect you further than football and I mean especially when you start getting into like insinuating racism and stuff like that which we've recently seen from some pretty major fans you're admitting that that your feelings about whatever you commented are bigger than football and that's gotta stop but Moving on. 
like growing up, the Raiders were those that badass team that really just would punch you in the mouth, and the fans reflected that. I mean, I remember growing up when the Chargers came to town, came to Oakland, it was they stopped selling beer at halftime because someone got stabbed like a couple years back. And I'm not saying to get back to that by any means, but I'm just saying the Raiders are a live and die team. Like those fans in Oakland who are obviously, I mean, crushed by the leaving of this. Hmm, how do I? They move a lot. This team has moved, I mean, down to LA or Oakland, down to LA, back to Oakland, to Las Vegas, to, I mean, hinting at five other places as we saw in the uh, 30 for 30 on Al Davis. But it's never been, it's always been, yeah, they took things way too far to gain. It's, and it's, it's just been, it's been like, you've, you're those difficult fans. You're those rowdy fans. You live and breathe with this team. You live and die with this team. And I love that. And I love that energy. I love the, we will stop selling beer at halftime. That was so funny to me as a kid that like, yeah, these, these fans are scary and they are, um, but now it's in the age of technology in the age of not really seeing people for a long time, we're starting to get that pent up aggression and kind of turning it into more of a non-football thing. It's becoming just an actual racism thing. It's becoming just a completely toxic environment. And chirping fans of another team is one thing and still wrong when you cross that line. But I don't know. There's something weird about the team, like coming at someone who lives and bleeds, lives and breathes, lives and dies with this team, just like you do. But you come at them for something that doesn't even apply. It's not even necessary to bring up. So just check yourself, check your friends. Be wary of that because that's becoming more and more of a thing. It's keyboard keyboard warriors and whatever, but it's still way too prevalent and has no place here. That being said, I want to get into the final topic of the day. And that is defensive free agents, because as I reported in the last segment, we're probably not getting Watson. So I would rather have, I've said this a hundred times and I'm going to say it quickly, I would rather have Carr than 60 to 65 to 70% of quarterbacks in the league. There are bad quarterbacks out there and we don't have one on our team. He's not great. He's not going to be the 2016 Derek Carr, but 2021 or 2020 Derek Carr can still get enough done, Uh, like offensively. I'm, again, not saying he's going to win the game for the Raiders by any means because we just watched Patrick Mahomes not win a game for his superpowered, with his superpowered offense. So with that being said, we can now kind of start to look at defensive options. I mean, Leonard Williams off the rip from the Giants. Giants were a great defense last year. I mean, they obviously didn't have much of an offense, but they had a pretty impressive defense down the stretch. And defensive end Leonard Williams was a major part of that. I mean, 
we saw, I mean, we've heard since trading Khalil Mack that apparently defensive ends can change the game. And, I mean, ours currently can't. And I don't want to get into old Devin White, Cleveland Farrell thing, all right? That's done. I mean, yes, you can look back and say, would he help? Yes. Was he... Is the Bucks defense ju- good just because of Devin White? No. It's not. Um, moving on. Obviously, Melvin Ingram, outside linebacker. Former Charger. You know, again, Melvin Ingram's a beast. And with the money the Raiders could be potentially saving, there's probably room for a couple of these guys on the roster. But it just becomes who actually is available. Um, Shaq Barrett, Buccaneer, I forgot. Um, Another outside linebacker. Obviously another force, another great piece. And really, the cool part about the Raiders having no defense right now is that any acquisition helps. They get any of these guys. Obviously, there's that tampering case kind of hinted at with uh, Gruden and Richard Sherman, who wouldn't hurt the team, but might be more of a mental advisor than a physical contributor. Um, He's just getting up there in age. I'm sure he has more talent than all of our defensive backs right now. So, I mean, could at least give us a year to kind of coach and mentor and actually be used on offense, though, or on defense, though, unlike our last supposed contributor. And, I mean, really, the Raiders don't need 11 new guys. They just need pressure off that front seven because it's been so weak that the back five or the defensive backs kind of struggle in that situation. When you can't get to the quarterback, as the Raiders have proven that most of the time they cannot, you have to account for that with your defensive backs, and they have to cover longer. They're getting more and more tired as the games go on. Like we saw last night, the Bucks stayed so well rested because they got to Patrick Mahomes fast most of the time. It wasn't like there were obviously those few plays where he was dancing around the pocket, but their defense still held up. If you notice when the Raiders finally break through that line after three or four seconds of shoving, they still take probably around four or five seconds to actually get to the quarterback and bring him down. And by then, somebody has broken through on coverage. Speaking of coverage, Patrick Peterson, another available free agent, not too shabby on defense, could definitely use a corner, but I personally would prefer probably an outside linebacker, defensive end, I mean, probably something a little more in the middle, and maybe just pressure quarterbacks a little better, and these not bad defensive backs will start looking decent, or six acceptable if you will just I mean it's they need a lot but I would I would personally advise growing from the base out so I mean get a piece for Crosby to work with get a I mean find Cleveland Farrell's purpose because you guys drafted him at four for a reason let's let's start seeing why he's the fourth pick in the draft and then obviously just kind of uh, going down the list here, J- Jadavion Clowney, Justin Houston, and Yannick Ngakwe, all incredible defensive ends. 
Clowney obviously still kind of maybe getting a little up there in age, but not anything to worry about for the next season or probably next two seasons where you're still probably getting at least 90% of his full potential. And I mean, like you, the list goes on and on, but the main point here is there is a lot of talent available. There is a lot of guys, people can, anyone can just come up and call about. Most of these guys are unrestricted free agents. Everyone I've listed has been a restrict, has been an unrestricted free agent. So what's stopping the Raiders from making a call? I would prefer the Raiders almost to sell a late round pick just for cash considerations to make something work. And obviously late round pick's not going to get a ton of money, but there's got to be things to sell. And maybe something can be worked out like the Mahomes deal where he's really getting a lot of that kind of spaced out throughout his years with Derek Carr, where you do the same thing. Let uh, let the Raiders pull in a ton of guys to help you out this year. Take a little bit of a pay cut because, I mean, buddy, you're making 25 mil a year. You don't need any more than you have already. So you could probably take that. And again, this is another man's job, another man's money. I would never truly walk up to Derek Carr and say that. And it's all hypothetical at this point, but... It just really depends how badly he wants to win. Mike Evans, 24 hour, less than 24 hours after winning the Super Bowl, has announced he'd take a pay cut to keep it all together. Now, it's a little different when you're winning. It's easier to say, oh, yeah, we'll take a pay cut. Let's chase this feeling compared to when you're 8-8 eight and eight and completely frustrated. It's kind of, okay, well, if we're not going to succeed like that, I want my money. So, again, it's... Derek Carr's call, but if the front office, and I wouldn't be surprised if they did, wanted to go after a bunch of these defensive free agents, Carr's probably the first person they're going to call and say, hey, um, can we backdate some of this money? And if if Carr's as serious about winning as he claims to be in every single uh, postseason, like that final press conference they do where he's like, oh, I'm frustrated, I want to win, this is going to be our year, I'm going to do it. If he's actually that frustrated... I think he could find it in his means to take a pay cut for a year or two. Because it's not, this isn't it. This is, this is not a Super Bowl team in the last 20 years. This is not. I mean, maybe back in the day, I mean, even back in the day when they threw the ball like 10 times a game, it's still, the Raiders still probably don't do that well. Sure, they throw more than ever, they... I mean, comparative to the athletes back then that we have now and the science and training and everything behind it, they're obviously going to be a bit better team. But, I mean, statistically, like, if this didn't actually happen, we just looked at the numbers, the Raiders could probably lose a game to a team from the, I mean, from the 70s that just kind of smash mouth ran them down. I mean, those guys played hard back in the day. So... This is not a Super Bowl team now, and I don't think that Carr needs to hold his money tight. He, I'm not saying that he should go and say, hey, cut my contract, give me the minimum this year, and let's sign somebody. But I think he should be definitely open to it if the Raiders come calling in that sense. And, I mean, look, there's, like I've said... A lot of big pieces on the market this year. 
And if I don't hear the Raiders go after one of them, if we go after like T.Y. Hilton or something, I'm going through a wall, man. Like, not with excitement, with anger. If our next big signing is an offensive player, and I don't get angry often, I'm, but if our next big signing is an offensive player, I will be completely fed up with this front office. Not to rip on the front office in the last couple minutes of the show, but the draft picks haven't been that good. The team doesn't respond to something in the second half of the season. There has been so much confusion and controversy and all this. I'm I'm wearing thin. And I love the Mayock signing. I love the Gruden signing. But that doesn't mean I have to love it forever. Like, sports is one of those things where you can quickly flip your beliefs based off a season. Like, it's not something you're locked into when you say, oh, I like Gruden, I like him, I like Mayock, I like what they're doing. You can change your mind, and that's kind of where I am. It's starting to get to the point of, okay, we're not getting Watson, so you're saying you are content with Derek Carr leading this team You think Derek Carr can lead this team to a Super Bowl, is what I'm being told. Because at this point, the Raiders should be at least a playoff win or bust. Like, there's no more, there's no excuses. I know this was a weird season. I know they just moved. I know there was no fans. But there's no excuse for two consecutive collapses. And so again, back to the free agent thing. If the Raiders don't go out and get somebody on defense you have every right in the world to be mad and frustrated about it because our offense is good enough it really is I mean sure could be better but do you want a great offense and last year's defense or do you want a very good offense and a better defense I don't have a good Raiders defense off the top of my head where the offense also went well because I know early in the 2010s or in the 10s or however you guys call it the teens I guess the Raiders were 2-14 and but the third best defense in the league so that's also possible but this team has one of the worst defenses in the league and is going 8-8 eight and eight and sitting in the middle of the pack they are two or three maybe four pieces away on defense from at least a playoff appearance probably a playoff win I mean that's obviously that's a huge hump to get over but with the amount of preparation and talk and hype and I mean they showed promise they've shown us in quick maths like 18 games of the last two years the first nine and the first nine yeah the first we went six and three both times is what I'm trying to say um that was quick math by the way um no but we've seen talent we've seen good things we've locked up the chiefs we've played teams tough and then it just collapses and that can't possibly just be on the players so be on the lookout for raiders free agent signings as soon as free agency opens up hopefully we can get something rolling this grand slants i'll catch you wednesday